Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a while. Um, it is I, your friendly neighborhood moviegoer, John L., and, uh, well, I'm back, folks. And, you know, it's been a tough month, a month of adjustment for me, as uh, I have gotten back into the swing of things for work. And not a lot of time uh, is on the schedule. Uh, I've uh, haven't been able to record um, the episodes for the pod as I've wanted to. Uh, the body, as you get older, uh, starts to tell you no at times. So, um, you know, for me. It's just taking the time out and seeing as to where I can actually develop um, the episodes for the pod or if I'm going to reconstruct the format of the pod. And that's what I've decided on. Um, So I feel like I'm going to do these weekly, but all in one shot Um, for this particular recording. I'm going to give you. Uh, reviews on all the movies I've watched since the last time I've spoken to you guys, which was the review for John Wick 4. Um, so with all that being said, uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about what's been on the calendar since John Wick 4 and how we're going to go about it and what my thoughts were. Uh, so here we go. Um, so that following Saturday, after I watched John Wick 4 on March 23rd, on a Thursday, that Saturday the 25th in the morning time, I watched a movie called A Good Person. Uh, a Good Person stars uh, Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman. Uh, the basic synopsis of the movie uh, says that uh, Morgan Freeman's character, whose name is Daniel, is brought together with Allison, who's Florence Pugh's character. Uh, the once thriving young woman uh, with a bright future who was involved in an unimaginable tragedy that took his daughter's life. As grief-stricken Daniel navigates raising his teenage granddaughter and Allison seeks redemption, they discover the friendship, forgiveness, and hope can flourish in unlikely places. So, in this movie, I thought that they did a good job um, structuring the dynamic of how different people deal with grief. Uh, Not only do we deal or do we encounter uh, Morgan Freeman's character, Daniel, dealing with grief, we also encounter how uh, Florence Pugh's character deals with grief. We deal with how um, Morgan Freeman's granddaughter in the movie deals with grief of losing her mother. Uh, So in the movie, what we have here, uh, at the beginning of the movie, we have this tragic accident, tragic car accident, in where um, Florence Pugh's future sister-in-law, uh, the sister of Florence Pugh, fian- Florence Pugh's fiance in the movie, uh, was in the passenger seat of Florence Pugh's car. They were driving. Um, they were getting, I believe, Florence Pugh was uh, getting uh, wedding gown sized or whatever the case is, and then uh, Florence Pugh was looking down at her phone at at, at a specific instance. And took her eyes off the road, and then some sort of a uh, utility vehicle or a some sort of a construction vehicle um, crashed into her 
into the passenger side of the vehicle and uh, killed uh, her future sister-in-law during the process. And her uh, her husband at the same time. Um, So that's the tragedy that set up that sets up the entire uh, the entire plot. So Florence Pugh, uh, in her attempt to deal with the grief, she sinks into a deep depression and then gets involved uh, with drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, Daniel, who is the father, Morgan Freeman in this case, uh, a form a recovering addict himself for over 20 years, um, come comes to deal with the grief in his own way. Um, at the beginning of the movie, him just needing uh, assistance from uh, from an emotional standpoint, right? Uh, him a rec- being a recovering addict, he hadn't uh, fallen back into the the addiction. Uh, not until I would say three quarters of the way into the movie, um, being that he was at that point overwhelmed with uh, having to take care of his granddaughter and different situations that were making that were that were that were stressors in the life, um, and it was it was a it was a unique view at how this sort of stuff happens, right? Because at the end of the day, different people deal with grief uh, in different ways. Some people self medicate. Um, other people look for, um, look for emotional, I would say stability and, and, or support in order to deal with grief. Other people, uh, lash out, uh, while dealing with grief, which was more the granddaughter standpoint, uh, in this, in this film. And at the same time, other people evade while dealing with grief, which is what happened, uh, with the fiance, the brother of the woman who died in this case, Florence Pugh's fiance, he ended up, uh, he ended up just evading the situation altogether. Uh, Florence Pugh ended up leaving him after the accident and things of that nature due to her, um, unstableness, let's just say. And it all went downhill from there. So throughout the movie, you see all these different episodes of how, uh, people are dealing and, and you uncover different things about uh, Morgan Freeman's character, Daniel, as a father in, in, in the early years of, of his kids' lives and how abusive he was because he was a bad drunk and things of that nature, which is how he went out and went help and got help. And in this instance, the reason as to why Daniel and, and uh, Morgan Freeman's character and Florence Pugh's character got together is because Florence Pugh ended up in the same uh, self-help group or help group um, an anonymous group, either Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous group uh, that was being uh, put together in his church. And basically the story then unfolds there as they uh, start to um, rebuild uh, their relationship and tell each other harsh truths. But at the same time, they start to they start to uh, alleviate some of the um, mental and emotional pain while yet still dealing with the day-to-day um, Morgan Freeman's character dealing with raising his granddaughter, uh, a teenage granddaughter at that, her messing around with boys, and at the same time, um, you know, being a teenager, wanting to be out with her friends, partying, things of that nature, and, and such and such, and Florence Pugh wanted to help out, but then not necessarily knowing how to help out because she's still dealing with her own 
with our own issues with their substance abuse and stuff like that or whatever the case is so I felt like the film depicted all that well uh, from an acting standpoint I felt like everybody did a decent job it wasn't you know any earth sh- the, the performances weren't earth shattering or anything like that I've seen darker stuff but at the end of the day just watching the, the trailers for this film um, didn't lead me to believe that this is going to be a, tonally a very dark movie uh, so they kept it re- relatively light, but at the same time, they still touched on points uh, which made you feel a certain way uh, about um, Florence Pugh's character, the same way that you felt about um, Morgan Freeman's character. Florence Pugh's character goes through uh, a couple of situations in where she has to basically realize that she is uh, an addict and come to the realization that addicts do, um, to use a colloquialism, do the most in order to get their fix and she went through that particular phase uh, of her addiction in the movie and at the same time she went through a phase where she was trying to be helpful but she really couldn't because her addiction was taking over and she couldn't uh, necessarily help others because she wasn't being able to help herself um, and then the, the the uncovering or the realization of Daniel being a, a bad drunk and abusive father in, in, in the early years of his kids uh, was something that I wasn't necessarily expecting, um, but not not that it threw me for a loop, but I would say it made for the connection between uh, Florence Pugh's character and, and Morgan Freeman's character um, more relatable in that sense and, 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 and valid because Morgan Freeman, even though through all the pain and all the grief that he was feeling over his daughter's death, was still willing to help Florence Pugh's character even though he blamed her for his daughter's death. Um, so at the end of it all, uh, things, not that things ended up hunky dory, right? Uh, spoiler alert, uh, Morgan Freeman's character by the end of the movie dies. He passes away. Uh, he was an older gentleman and things of that nature. Um, health concerns and all that came about. And, um, at the time of the funeral, the ex-fiance had been in a in a relationship post the the engagement relationship with another woman but then that particular relationship ended uh he more or less uh decided to rebuild his relationship with Florence Pugh's character but not to the extent of they got back together and it was all happily ever after no uh more like Florence Pugh was was an extended part of the family and he was she was willing to help out to raise um Morgan Freeman's uh, granddaughter after Morgan Freeman's death uh now the her uncle, the ex-fiance, in all this, uh, being the caretaker and guardian of this teenage girl, uh, you know, all of these different situations and tragedies and everything in between led to all these strange bedfellows. But at the end of the day, it was a very interconnected weave of all these people and how they how they were dealing with this grief and they and how they continued to deal with this grief in their own way. By the end of it all. Um, Florence Pugh's character was still dealing with her addiction, but she was on the other side of it. Um, not necessarily at a hundred percent, but she was uh, on the right track. Um, and we got that part of it. The young teenage girl, she was more of the lash out victim, uh, losing both of her parents and things of that nature and just having a bad attitude and still being a teenager at the same time and then experimenting here and there and stuff like that. So, uh, putting gray hairs in people's heads and stuff. Um, so that was her, her way of dealing with the grief. And at the same time, the ex-fiance 
he was one. He was the uh, the the quintessential person who didn't deal with the grief at all. Um, he just went from one day to the next uh, without necessarily sitting with it and realizing as to what happened. Uh, I liked the film. I thought it told a decent and good story. I thought that the like I said, I thought that the that the acting was decent. Nothing out of this world. I didn't think that it was overly done. Um, or anything like that. It wasn't extra. It wasn't like those uh, dramatizations you see on TV and things of that nature. So uh, Zach Braff, the director of this of this movie, I think did a decent job with another uh, with another project here. Um, basically, uh, wanting to uh, depict as to how different people, different age ranges, different races, uh, different um, backgrounds uh, deal with their own grief and also dealing with uh, addiction. Um, in America today, um, in, in one, uh, whole movie. So you got that. Uh, so that is, that's my take on this movie. I think that folks should watch it just so that they can understand, um, the different points of views and perspectives as to how people deal with grief, um, in lieu of tragedy and things of that nature. So next up the movie that I saw after that was Inside, starring Willem Dafoe. I saw that movie on a Monday. Um, this movie was more... It was interesting, man. It was interesting. So, to say the least, I want to say this about uh, this movie. Because... At times, directors are very self-indulgent and they want to tell their stories they, the way they want to tell it. They're not necessarily in the business of the movie-making business in order to make back the, the money that you were, um, that someone invested in your movie in order to, uh, the business end of it, in order for you to make it back via the box office. Uh, this wasn't one of those movies. Um, this was a very... high art movie right and to cut back to a good person for a real quick bit uh, I just wanted to give you guys the same stuff that I was giving you before Ron Tomato scores so the critics uh, at 57% it was uh, it was not a certified freshness is a rotten tomato but the audience score for a good person was at 96% so the people who actually went out to see the movie thought uh, very positively about the movie so the audience score is better than uh, the critic score, so I am in line with what the audience thought. I thought it was a good film. Um, I thought it was a film that pe that I think it's a film that people need to watch, and at the same time, so that they can understand as to what's going on in society, how uh, how grief stricken people deal, and at the same time, understanding that not all addiction stems from um, where you come from and what kind of background you have. So uh, events in people's lives also can. I can start addiction as well. But back to Inside, like I said, high art film. Uh, I thought based on the um, based on the trailers, I thought that there was going to be much more dialogue in this film. And there wasn't. Uh, Willem Dafoe in this film, uh, as always in most films, did a tremendous job. Um, we were really more or less... 
encountering a film where Willem Dafoe was doing a lot more physical acting, a lot more facial acting and things of that nature, which he's great at as well. Uh, but like I said, this movie lacked a lot of dialogue. Um, the reason being, what I thought about it was, the premise of the film was that Willem Dafoe was an art thief. And he scaled this building, uh, entered this, this uh, the, the home of this uh, art collector and things of that nature. And he was there to steal uh, this art and get out within a certain time frame. This is a high security uh, home. He couldn't get out in time. He gets locked in there uh, for God knows how long, right? Uh, so it then became a survival movie. But within the survival movie, uh, obviously Willem Dafoe didn't have anybody to play off of, right? Um, he was just in there trying to find a way to get out. The reason why I call this a high art movie is because not only did you see high art inside of the home of this art collector, a lot of the art was expressionist art. Um, so it being expressionist art, um, it wanting people to interpret and understand the expression of what was on said canvas, uh, or uh, it could be it could have been an exhibition, it could have been video, it could have been a short film, whatever whatever it w was being exhibited within this home, because this home was 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 it was a home, but yet a, but yet to a to a sense of it, it was a it was someone's home but at the same time it was an art exhibit it was an expressionist exhibit and the reason as to why i say it's expressionist because of the kind of art that was being depicted in the movie that being said because it was expressionist art we also were led to understand and visualize the expression or and or expressions from willem dafoe in this movie through his sense and um and uh, skills of survival right so i thought that that was keen and unique i might be reading too much into it but this is my particular interpretation of the film um there was that dynamic of the expressionist art along with the expressionist acting that was going on because you have to read more of willem dafoe's expressions through the film instead of uh, understanding uh the acting through dialogue and then the secondary part of it was also understanding how in God's green earth was he going to get out of this apartment, right? I read other reviews where where they said they they were on, uh, folks were on pins and needles in the edge of their seats because they they it was it was anxiety it was anxiety inducing and it wasn't anxiety inducing to me at all, just for the simple fact that I got too I got so lost in how the expressionist art reflected and had that dynamic with the the uh, the expressionist acting that Willem Dafoe was exhibiting, but then at the same time, understanding that there was this, this genuine level of human ingenuity that was coming in through the movie, uh, looking and, and, and seeing the different parts in the movie where Willem Dafoe was trying to come up with different ways on how to keep himself alive, uh, through how to, uh, get water, uh, setting off the fire alarms, having the sprinkler system go off, um, getting the condensation from the, the freezer onto the, onto, uh, the refrigerator wall so that he can, so he can stay hydrated, uh, throughout the time. And then, and then at the same time, just going through all the different cabinets to see as to what was available to eat and, 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 and keeping himself, 
more or less nourished in that particular perspective. And then at the same time, with all the different pieces of furniture throughout the home, uh, building this, not necessarily a fortress, but this, 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 uh, this ladder or this pyramid pyramid to get to this, um, to get to this high, very high point, I guess the ceilings in the particular apartment were like about, I don't know, I want to say 20 to 30 feet in the air. And there was one particular window that he can, that he could probably break out of because all the other windows were unbreakable and bulletproof and things of that nature. So he couldn't do that and get out that way. Um, so this ceiling, this one ceiling sunlight window or whatever was the only way that he could, uh, he can get out and he put together tools and, and, and broke the sediment around the, the, the latches and, and, and the frame that was, uh, that was keeping this, uh, this, this window, uh, within a frame and then eventually he escaped by the end of, uh, the movie. Sorry, spoiler. He escaped by the end of the movie. It took damn near two hours for him to escape. Uh, but you have to understand that not everybody always realizes their circumstances within a very short span of time. It took him so much time to devise not only this plan and put all these things together in order to get to this particular uh, um, peak, like literally a peak that he that he built, that he constructed in order to get out. But it also took him time to destroy uh this 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 frame and placeholder of sediment and concrete that, that had the that had the frame of this of, of the sunlight window um put together so that he can get the hell out of that goddamn apartment and eventually he did uh because he was left behind uh by his partners and stuff like that or whatever and he eventually got out um it was just it was just one of those movies where like to me everything made sense but it was just so drawn out that i lost interest at certain times in the movie um, and mind you, it's not like it was a three hour movie. It's an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, but then it's like, it's artsy, it's heady, um, it's intelligent, but then at the same time, it's like, it's also a survival film. I feel like they, 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 they tried to fit too much into this one hour and 45 minutes, um, within it. But yet again, uh, that is my take on the film inside of Willem Dafoe. Um, as for the critics, the critics liked it more than the audience did. The critics um, had a 63%, um, but the audience score was lower as a 41%. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this movie to people because, like I said, it's too, it's it's heavy. Not heavy. It's heady. It's a little bit overwhelming because they try to throw too much at you outside of the fact that it's supposed to be a survivalist film. It's also a very... Um, it also shows you how the other side lives, right? The rich... Uh, the super rich and, and and them being in their own world and 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 then the niche part of uh, these high-end uh, collectors of art and things of that nature and how they commiserate from time to time because you had those particular scenes in the movie as well it was just it just had too many different themes going on at the same time uh, so that's why I wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, this film inside uh, the next film I saw after that, after Inside, uh, was, let's go back to the, to the drawing board here. I saw Dungeons and Dragons on March 30th on Thursday. I saw that on, uh, I think this was the, the, the release date. So I saw this at my local AMC and needless to say, I really, really enjoyed this film. I think that I went into this film with a very, I don't want to say negative thought process, but I, I, I didn't think that this film was going to be great. Not that it was great, but it was very fun, though. 
Um, the only bad or sad part about this movie is is that it's not it hasn't made um, its budget back uh, according to uh, what it is as of right now. The box office gross for this movie is at seventy four point two million dollars across the U.S. here domestically, and the movie took two hundred million dollars to make. Um, so that's the sad part about it. It's a very fun movie, folks. It's 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 fantasy and uh, it's it's a fantasy film. It's based off of the Dungeons and Dragons um, tactical and board game that 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 came to prominence and and popularity in the eighties, and a lot of a lot of different people still play it to this day. Um, there was car- there was a Dungeons and Dragons cartoon in the eighties as well. There was also a movie that was created in the early nineties or late eighties uh, that was not so great. Um, I recommend this movie to folks. It's very very fun. I would say about the first twenty five minutes to half an hour of the movie, um, kind not kind of. Uh, didn't uh, suck me in just because I thought there was a lot of inside baseball going on there. Like you had to be a fan of Dungeons and Dragons to understand as to what was going on. Um, from even from a surface level, nothing too deep. Like un- understand like uh, what certain characters' abilities are and what their purposes are within the game. Like I didn't know because I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I just wanted to see the film because obviously I do the pod and on top of everything else, and I'm a fan of Chris Pine. Uh, so Chris Pine's in this film. Um, we had a. Uh, who else was in this film? Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Regé Jean Page, uh, Justice uh, Jesse Smith, uh, Sophia Lillis, and Chloe Coleman. They all did great. I think everybody did a great job uh, with their roles uh, in this film here. So to give you guys a synopsis, uh, a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic, but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves brings the rich world and playful spirit of the legendary role-playing game to the big screen in a hilarious and action-packed adventure. It was funny. It was action-packed. I thought that the effects were done very, very well. How how the story came together and all the characters' backstories and how they and how they united and how they came to be a team uh, was cool as well uh, within the structure of the movie. I thought that after that first half an hour where everything was more or less inside baseball and I wasn't getting it, that one particular scene uh, where I believe it was uh, Justice Smith's character uh, met his, uh, an ancestor of his and then his future self because he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily uh, a, a great wizard at that particular point in time, but he was able to, um, he was able to get better uh, throughout the movie he was actually stealing from people with his with, with, with his wizardry before this point, but that point where he met his uh, his ancestor and or older self, I, that wasn't necessarily clear to me. Uh, but that point in the movie is when everything like sunk into me, and I was like, "Oh, this is fun. I get this. This 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 movie's not bad at all." And then the rest of it with the great action, Michelle Rodriguez is great. Um, I think is it's a good time. It's a good family movie. On top of everything else, I know it's PG thirteen, but there's not a there's not a, there's not anything lewd in the movie at all, and 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 I think that this is a good start to a franchise. Now, being that Hollywood is Hollywood and money has to be made, I'm not too sure uh, if if another one's going to be made. But if uh, I believe this is a Paramount movie, yeah, if Paramount believes in the IP enough, they'll make a second one, even though the first one didn't make uh, a great amount of revenue so Dungeons and Dragons Honored Amongst Thieves I definitely recommend and so do the critics and the audience 
The critic score is at a 90% at 280 reviews, and the audience score is at a 93%. So uh, people who've seen it, critics and audience alike, they love the movie. Um, just have to, you know, hopefully the word of mouth continues to spread. This does better on uh, on demand and home video um, or digital. And that grows, and, and, and they're able to, to, to generate more revenue that way. And hopefully in a couple of years, we'll see... Uh, some sort of a sequel to the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves movie. So that was that. I now have to talk to you guys about this film that I watched called A Thousand and One. I watched this movie on March 31st at my uh, my local Alamo Draft House. And the main reason as to why I watched this movie was because uh, one, it was a Sundance Festival pick, best drama. That's one. Secondarily, um, the main reason as to why I watched this film was because it's a New York-based film. And if you guys aren't aware, or have never said it explicitly on the podcast, I am from New York City. And where the movie was depicted in Harlem um, is very familiar to me. And that is my biggest takeaway from this movie the familiarity of it because it starts or takes place at the beginning of the movie in the early to mid 90s uh, which was a time where I was a child and I was growing up and I understood what it was uh, to be in that sort of neighborhood like Harlem or where I come from Washington Heights and things of that nature which we have a lot of similarities regardless of what people ever tell you you know what I'm saying? Uh, people can always bark and, and and say what they want about their neighborhood and where they grew up. But a lot of there, we have a lot of similarities between Washington Heights and Harlem and Hamilton Heights and people in the Bronx and things of that nature. We all grew up very similarly, um, with with very with very similar backgrounds, uh, be it of people of color and, and different ethnicities and things of that nature, and or how we grow up in a very um, in 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 these urban communities and stuff like that and 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 the hardships of it. And, and 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 whatnot and this is why I felt like this film uh, was very familiar to me even though I had never seen it right the character of Inez played by uh, Tiana Taylor let me tell you something man I know women like the character of Inez till this day and it was people people will tell you oh you know that's 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 stereotypical no, no, no. You have to live in this. You have to you have to understand that there's a lot of communities like this around this country, let alone around the world. Um, but let's just let's just leave it to the U.S. and whatnot. There's a lot of communities that 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 build women like Inez. Right. Um, where a lot of people feel disenfranchised and. Uh, don't necessarily see the forest beyond the trees. You know what I'm saying? And, and they always stay in one place their entire lives and that's all they know and they don't necessarily grow out of what it is that they know and or expand uh, their uh, their mindsets and or uh, their horizons and things of that nature. But they make the best of the circumstances that they've been given or they make certain situations happen within their circumstances that um, sometimes are uh, better left alone and or not 
uh, not be revealed. Uh, this movie, um, as a as a story, was very it was compelling, folks. But like to 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 me, it was a little to me it was a bit far fetched. But then at the same time, I me knowing people who have gone through um the foster system and and as a, as either as adults now and or as children um it, it like it shone a it shone a new light on how things happen um in that and and, and I'll lead you to the synopsis right so a uh, thousand and one follows unapologetic and free-spirited Ines played by Tiana Taylor who kidnaps six-year-old Terry from the foster care system right so the 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 trailer shows you that she kidnaps Terry, uh, or quote unquote kidnaps Terry. Terry, we we are introduced to Terry as her son, um, but Terry is not Inez's son. By the end of the movie, we 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 come up and we uh, we end up realizing uh, that that wasn't the case at all. That Tiana Taylor did kidnap Terry uh, from the foster care system because she needed something to hold on to she needed something or a way out of the the recidivist loop that she was going through because she had been in the jail and locked up and she kept on uh for lack of a better term she kept on fucking up and she was she was a early 20 something uh year old girl um who had been in and out of trouble and she thought by uh, kidnapping this boy out of the foster care system that this would lead her uh to have something that she can hold on to and believe in and have a purpose in life, right? To raise this boy and help this boy become uh, a good man in life. Um, and to come to find out that she wasn't even his real mom, um, by the end of the movie was like, wow. To, to me, it was like, wait a minute, what? But how does she know this boy? And then you come to find out the relationship that she actually had uh, with Terry's actual parents who, who unfortunately uh, succumbed to, uh, addiction and, 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 and died off, uh, because in the early nineties, late eighties in, in, in New York or in urban communities around the U S like the crack pen, the, the crack epidemic was real, you know? So that's, that was what was, uh, taken over at that point. And that's what, uh, that's what Terry's, um, birth parents succumbed to. So, uh, be it that Inez knew that, uh, she felt this responsibility and also she also felt that she, she needed a purpose and he was, he was going to be her purpose. Um, and it helped her, uh, somewhat progress, uh, through life. And, um, she became a, a hardworking, uh, single mother at the time. And then she eventually got into a relationship with the man, uh, who himself had been in and out of trouble and whatnot, but helped raise, uh, young Terry and whatnot. And what you see, uh, in the movie is the, uh, the evolution of New York City through the mid '90s, all the way through the th- th- through the early aughts, and, and and stuff like that, which is the time period I grew up in, which is why I say it's from it was very familiar to me. Uh, so the dramatics that happen in 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 in, in the movie in that particular vein uh, were very familiar. Also, the familiarity of uh, the uh, the disloyal man who had. Uh, different women and different children and different women and how Inez was dealing with that particular uh, <laughs> situation. It's like, that's very common 
in 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 urban neighborhoods and single parent homes and even though the dude was a good dude in a sense because he was always there for terry uh you know he was still a, a, a womanizer at the end of the day right so you know t- those two things could be true at the same time and, and that's why i said it's like to me it's very it's very reminiscent and very familiar because i know those situations uh either uh through experience um, knowing people like that and or being in those particular situations, not necessarily because I have any children and, and or have had multiple women with multiple children. I don't have any kids myself. I can say that. Uh, but knowing that me living through that uh, through uh, through my own dad uh, is something that, uh, like I said, was very familiar and things. So, you know, it 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 hit home this movie. And because it hit home and because it was so uh, true to the city, uh, true to true, true to true to true to communities like Harlem or the community that I grew up in in Washington Heights and things of that nature um, is why I would recommend this film. Um, Tiana Taylor was incredible in this film. All all the actors uh, who played Terry from young six year old Terry, um, I would say uh, preteen Terry, 12, 13 year old Terry and then um, late teens early 20s Terry uh, was great the gentleman who played um, the uh, the stepfather role uh, William Catlett uh, he played Lucky uh, he was great uh, in this man um, and all the surrounding characters that made up the bus the hustle and bustle and and, and the community and and friends and f- and, and, and family like members uh, around Tiana Taylor's um, Tiana Taylor's character Inez man um it just, it, <laughs> uh, it felt like home. It just felt like watching an episode of someone, someone you live to, someone who lives next door to you or down the block from you. Um, I would definitely recommend this movie to anybody. Um, it, it is something that uh, is definitely felt by reviewers and audience and, and audience members. Um, from a Rotten Tomato standpoint, uh, we got a ninety-seven percent from the critics, eighty-four uh, percent from the audience who. Who went out to watch this uh the movie is uh, an hour and 57 minutes long uh go out and watch it folks i definitely recommend this film to y'all and uh it is definitely a good watch so uh that is my review and sense of those four films we had a good person uh we had inside we had dungeons and dragons honor amongst thieves and we had a thousand and one that rounded up my month of march I will be back uh, to review another set of films that I have watched since then, but I wanted to give you guys uh, these reviews uh, right away uh, just so I can have um, some content back up. I do apologize for the long wait, folks. Hopefully, uh, y'all will uh, support and continue to support uh, the podcast and the new structure of it. I will be doing these weekly. Uh, still, I still have and make the time to go out and watch the movies, but it's just more or less I have to do all the reviews in one and then just try to have it all amalgamated into one recording now instead of doing all the separate recordings. So that is the programming note. Thank you for everybody listening. As always, um, all the support I get from across the globe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be back in short order with another set of movies. Appreciate y'all. As always, this has been your friendly neighborhood movie lord, John L. I'm about this one. Till next time, folks.
Take care of yourselves. Be good to one another. And stay healthy out there. Peace.